Alright? Luke is like a, he's like an educated person. Now, it doesn't mean that all the other authors of the, the New Testament you know, were, were not educated, but Luke was uniquely educated. Alright? And that he set out to write a book specifically to put an orderly account, as he says it, of the life of Jesus Christ. And so when he writes his gospel entitled Luke, that's how he writes it. And so later on, he actually writes a second book, and it's this book of Acts. And he's writing this book specifically to put into account a history of the growth of the church, a history of what happened after Jesus. So if you're interested in the Gospels, let me just give you a real quick overview here. So if you're reading the book of Matthew, then you'll see that that book was written to a Jewish audience. That's who was present in the, in the day of Christ. Mark wrote uh, basically to more of a Gentile audience and a very smaller book leaves out a lot of extra stuff that Matthew puts in there. Now, uh, Luke comes along and writes, like I just said, an orderly account, and then John writes whatever John wants to write. And it doesn't quite flow together quite the same way as the other Gospels. John just wants you to get through it and understand that Jesus is the Son of God. And that's the Gospels. And then we have this book called the Book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles, some of your headings of your Bibles might say. Here's the cool part of this book. If you're here today, and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you're like, I'm here and you know, I came to support somebody, or I just, I like the church and the music, and you know, Tom dresses real cool, and uh, <laughs> and I just come, you know, kind of for that, but I haven't really left on this faith in Jesus Christ. This is an excellent book for you, because this book was written to you. You say, well, how was the book written to me? Luke, when he wrote this book, he wrote this book to a man named Theophilus. Now, who is Theophilus? Uh, he is, we don't totally know who he is, but because he's called most excellent, he's probably at least on like the governor level of some area. And so when Luke is writing this letter, he is writing to somebody who's not a believer in Jesus Christ, and he's saying, look, I want you to check out all that's going on about Jesus. I want you to check out what these guys that are following Jesus are doing, and I want you to check out how fast the, the followers, and then the church grew during this short period of time. That's who he's writing the book to. So if you're sitting here and you're like, you know, I need a little more convincing on this Christianity thing, I'm not totally sure about it all, then this is a book for you to perk up on. Because it's written specifically with you in mind, wanting you to hear what you need to hear, so at least have all the evidence to make a good, solid, educated decision about Jesus Christ. Make sense? That's what Luke is doing. So we're going to jump into this book and we're going to walk through it. Now, we're going to look a little bit of all of chapter 1, but I put the first eight verses in your outline for you. So let's take a look at that and read that. Here's how it goes. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for, for you uh, to free Israel and restore your kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, 
and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, remember that Luke is writing this to somebody, trying to tell him this is the orderly account about Jesus Christ, and this is the account about his followers. And he's wanting them to tell them the very first most important thing here is, hey, these guys were just kind of waiting around for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Just waiting around. And they were reminded, Luke is saying here, that when that Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to receive a power that you haven't had up till now. And they've done some pretty powerful things up till now. You're going to have an amazing power now come upon you. And not only that, but you're going to go out and you're going to be my witnesses. Now, what is a witness? A witness is someone who speaks to what they saw. You're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to go, not just here in Jerusalem, you are going everywhere and sharing this. So here I am, Theophilus, right? And I get this letter from Luke, and I read the first part of it, and if I am a, like a kingdom leader type person, like a governor level or higher, and I read those first eight verses, I'm going to say, well, what, what in the world's going on in Jerusalem? What is happening here? This is, this is like some, some really big, happening, moving stuff. I mean, this is like, you know, when the Macarena gets really exciting, and then the next one comes along, and then just recently here, we get, I don't even understand what we, we just had. What was it called? Oh, man. Teens. I know you purposely. Anyway, we just had a recent music, dance, praise, something like that uh, go down. And uh, when these things pop up, it's like everybody wants to know what's going on, what is that, how do I get involved? That's Theophilus when he reads this letter. He wants to know what, what is going on here, what is happening with this movement of Christianity. And so it would have been exciting from the beginning. Here's what I would tell you if, if you're here and you're in the same boat as Theophilus. I would tell you right now that this same movement, this same book of Acts, this first eight verses where this, this movement is just said how it begins, the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you, you go out and you're going to make an impact everywhere, this is still going on. It's an open-ended book at the end of the book of Acts, and we are part of it. We continue it on today. That's the exciting thing about this book. Well, I'm going to just highlight a few things that I think hits us. I think they're going to hit us as believers in Christ, but I think they're going to hit us even if you haven't made that decision yet. Why? Because Luke is giving you important information to make this call about your faith. Here's the first thing if you have your, your outline. If you got into this plane and you didn't have to grab one of the, the outline, and Richard's in the back, you can slip up your hand, you can bring your phone so that you can work through it and, and track through it this morning. I love you to have this. You can take it home and use it as a potion throughout the week. I'm going to turn it down some of that sounds too. Teen Teen. Here's the first thing. We find in this passage. You have to realize you can't do it alone. That's what he's saying here. In Acts 1 4, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he has promised, as I told you before. Now, we know as we look back, I mean, this gift is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who comes on them. This is the gift. In fact, let me just share with you how it works real quick here. We have God, right? We have God the Father. In fact, in the Old Testament, that is really what we hear most about in the Old Testament, is Almighty God. 
And then Jesus comes on the scene, that our Savior comes on the scene, the chosen one. Now, it wasn't that it was, it was never spoke of before when Jesus comes. There's prophecies all the way back. But Jesus comes on the scene, and when Jesus comes on the scene, we hear so much about Jesus, and we hear Jesus' words and his teaching and what he's doing. He heals people, miracles, all this kind of stuff goes on. And Jesus always speaks about his relationship with the Father. In fact, so much so that Jesus said, it's not me that, that, that do these things on my own. I do them at the direction of the Father. So we see this relationship going on. But then Jesus also talks about this, this power of the Holy Spirit that's on him. In fact, we find out in the book of Luke, you know, Luke's other book, that he says it was the Holy Spirit that even led Jesus out to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, Shreena, we've started this with our gym. We've started this one-month diet challenge that starts today. Um, I'm already sick of We're not even on the We're not even on the 40 days and 40 nights, I couldn't imagine this. Well, how was Jesus able to do it? Well, the Gospel of Luke says, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was able to go out and to be tempted 40 days and 40 nights. And then Jesus says, look, when I leave, when I depart, Jesus is crucified, he raises from the dead, 40 days later he ascends up to be with the Father in heaven. But he says, I'm going to leave you with something. I'm going to leave you with this gift, as Luke describes it here. And the gift is the Holy Spirit. And so now these disciples, they're sent out with the same thing that Jesus spoke of in Luke chapter 4 when he was tempted 40 days and 40 nights, this power of the Holy Spirit. Here's a struggle, though. I think if you're like me, I just think I can do it by myself. My words don't say that. I always say, you know, through the power of Christ, through the power of God, you know, thank you, the Holy Spirit. But like my actions say otherwise. Are you with me? Um, I go out and my actions say I can do it myself. How do I know that? Because I go out and, and I do something, you know, for it, it's something for God, you know. And at the end of that hour, two hours, however long that thing takes me, then I say, oh yeah, thanks God for a good thing. Like it never even dawned on me. I might want to pray for God to really help me get through this today. I might want to pray that God would give me power and strength because I'm a little tired to start this day. It doesn't even dawn on me. In fact, it's just ingrained in me at times to think I can do it by myself. I can make it by myself. Now we're we just moved into a house, and I'm organizing the garage yesterday. This little shed out back that we're calling the garage, and. We, uh, Ray and I loaded some, some big blue boxes that are kids' supplies that used to be in my old garage. And I'm pretty sure Ray loaded them really, really heavy because he doesn't have to be over there lifting you. He doesn't care, right? <laughs> but I had moved it, and I was sitting here, and, and I couldn't, three or four times I couldn't lift them up. I needed to give them to about waist high. But I was having this conversation with myself. And my determination was, I will not ask for help. Um, I go to the gym four days a week, I should be able to lift this thing up and put it on top. And so I, I never lifted it up, but I created this, this kind of stair-step system. And so I only had to lift it a foot at a time. And I, eventually I got it up there. Why? Because I was not asking for help. We live like that, don't we? We function like this in life. And sometimes in our life, it actually works in our favor to, to not ask for help. We get bigger and stronger and, and, and we understand and we're wiser. But what he's saying here is that if you want to go at this Christian living, if you want to go at this, 
And you want to go at it totally all by yourself, your own search, your own journey on it, without what the Holy Spirit can bring to your life? It's going to be pretty lonely, and you're probably going to be pretty tired most of the time. And so right away, he's saying, you can't do this alone. Go and wait for the gift that I promised you. Just go wait for it. It's on its way. Part of the second one, it, it works right into this. It says, rely on the Holy Spirit's power. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power. Now, just a few weeks ago, I was at my gym, and we're having this, this contest, right? And I was actually part of it, and I lifted a certain amount of weight, right? The last guy of the day lifted, I watched him from 15 feet away, lift 300 98.4 pounds over his head. Most of the amazing thing I've ever seen, uh, just power-wise. Right? I've seen this stuff on TV, but I, I surely when you see it on TV, it's not real. No, but this was right there in front of me, 398.4 pounds he lifted over his head. Now, earlier that day, I lifted, uh, with all my might, I lifted 185. This guy doubled me 200 pounds uh, and, and, and some more on top of that. Now that's power. I mean, when you think about power, that's what we think about. I'm not so sure that that's what Luke is talking about when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon somebody. I don't think it necessarily means, um, well, the Holy Spirit came on you so you were able to you know, move your car out of that ditch when, you know, otherwise you'd never be able to move a car. It happens at times when you read crazy stories. What does it really mean that this power of the Holy Spirit? This is what I think it means. You can do things in life that otherwise you couldn't do. Or, at very least, you can do things better than you would have done them on your own. More effective, more impactful, if you use the power of the Holy Spirit. Great passage in the book of Isaiah when it says that even young men will grow weary and will grow faint. Do you know this passage? But those who hope in the Lord, who are hoping trust, whose trust in the Lord will renew their strength, and they will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not what? Grow weary. That's what I think the power of the Holy Spirit is talking about here. We get tired, we get weary the same as anyone else, but there's something about the power of the Holy Spirit that keeps us going. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to sleep at night, all right? It doesn't mean you're not going to take a nap when you're tired. But you have some sort of power to do things that you otherwise couldn't do. I think that when you talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, I think Paul, or excuse me, Luke is talking about focus. It gives you a focus you otherwise would not have. Listen, I'm going to tell you, one of my key focuses in life is to reach people that are far from God. So if I interact with somebody, if I meet somebody, grocery store gym, it doesn't matter where, and I can feel out right away, this person is probably far from God. Uh, I don't know if they have a church background, don't have a church background, but I at least know they're probably far from God. Immediately, there is a stirring within me to say, what in the world can I do to steer this conversation to some form of Jesus talk? Just so I can hear about where they're at and where, what's going on in their life. And is there any opportunity to invite them here and come to church and sit here and experience this Christian family and have lunch afterwards? That's how I'm processing. That's how I'm thinking. Why? I believe the Holy Spirit keeps me focused that way. I think when the power of the Holy Spirit how the Holy Spirit keeps us focused on what we need to do, most often for His kingdom. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. A couple other passages that are in your notes, and you can, you can use these this week for your own prayer time or devotion time. It says, the apostles testified, this is over in Acts chapter 4, 
powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. See, they testified powerfully. It's like when somebody speaks about Jesus or speaks about anything, and they speak with this authority and power, we perk up and we listen. And there's something about speaking about Jesus in a certain way or speaking about our faith that's powerful. Now, I, I know these seven that got baptized get pretty decently, pretty solidly, as I've gotten to know them for a while here. But I don't know if, if how them well enough to know if they can get up and like just really bring a thunderous sermon or not. Um, did you guys want to give it? No, okay. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Don't mistake. That's not what we're talking about. It doesn't mean that you know Tim can come up today and give this this thunderous, powerful sermon. You know, um, maybe he's ready. He's coming. Don't mistake that that's necessarily what we're talking about here. It just means when they spoke it, there's something about who they were and how they were living it that was like, well, I need to listen to that. I need to hear that. Mother Teresa was about as meek as could be in how she spoke, especially in the last 20 or so years of her life. And yet it was powerful. That's what we're talking about here. Here's another passage in 2 Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self Discipline. So the Holy Spirit is not about us being afraid or being timid. It's about us having power. It's about us loving people. And I love the last thing there. Do not mistake it or forget it, believers especially, that the Spirit calls us into self-discipline as well. Why is that so important? I'll be honest with you. Because sometimes I don't want to get up and read the Bible. Sometimes I don't want to come set up for church. There's times, like, especially like when we go on vacation, you know, where it's like, well, let's just do it. You know, let's just get church. I know there's a few, and I, I like experiencing new churches, you know, because I'm, I'm with you all the time, which is great. But I love experiencing. Um, there's times when I, it's, just, it's just, my heart is not driven to do it all. But you know, the Spirit gives us self-discipline to guide us through those times. So when there's times when my heart is not the, the thing leading me in every step, the Spirit is leading me in self-discipline to say, no, keep doing it. Keep working it here. And my heart gets back on board. Let's look at this third thing that we find here at the beginning. We've got to remember the mission is what Lou is saying. So I'm Theophilus, and I'm reading what is being said to him. Right? And I'm reading this, that Lou's right, and I'm like, these people are on a mission. These people are driven, they are determined to do something here. You know, for a long time, the image of the church is that it's a social gathering of people in some spectrum of the Christian law. That's, a, that's about the definition that many people view the church. We get together, we socialize, we have a good time a little bit, we sing some good stuff. Um, then we go out to lunch, and, and uh, restaurants are really happy that if they're close by a church, that kind of thing that goes on, right? Well, listen to what he's saying here. Remember the mission. And you will be my witnesses. This is Acts 1.8. Telling people everywhere about me. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's a powerful word there. In fact, I believe that if something is kind of grassroots, and it's just like building momentum, and it's just kind of like this, wow, this thing is really going... You may not even know what it's about, and you'll check into it and maybe even join into it. People do it all the times with things uh, in our world. 
They get going and they get excited. And they may not even know what it's actually about. Why? Because it just seems like this, sometimes it's just a fad. It seems like this thing that, man, these people are driven. Now, we've been looking for a new car uh, because if you remember, and I'll try not to go back because I might cry, the day we died, if you remember, um, very sadly, it's a rough day in my life. Well, we've been kind of without a car. We've been driving around the, the, uh, the Accord from the, the Bethune family, which has been awesome uh, to drive around. Um, but it's about time. So we've been out looking for it, and we're looking at Subarus. And what we didn't know is, um, anybody drive Subaru out there? They're like, they're like cult Subaru drivers. <laughs> but these people are so, I mean, when they lock into a Subaru, that is it. They lock into it for the rest of their life. And that there is no other vehicle. It's one that's really going into this experience. Uh, the other cars on the lot are numerous. The Subaru selection is very small uh, on the lot. And there's probably something horribly wrong with it. Uh, if, if they'll finally give it up, crazy. Well, I'm very intrigued by that. In fact, I'm so intrigued that we were actually talking with a guy about purchasing this Subaru the other day because I, I, I wanted it in the cold. So that's what I wanted it. <laughs> yeah, I was very intrigued by what was going on in the Subaru community. Um, but we chose not to. Um, so uh, we got some intervention and stuff, and we are interested. So we'll help you out. So. But it was something intriguing. That's what's going on here. It, it's, it's like, wow, this is growing. I mean, these people are out doing this. These people are out speaking about this. These people are so sold on the fact that this Jesus they encountered, they had to go out and they had to share about it everywhere they went. Everywhere they went. They're sharing, they're sharing, they're sharing, they're sharing. And that is what happens. And that's why when they're telling people everywhere to Jerusalem's just too small, so Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, it just keeps going and going. How does this type of thing happen? They were totally sold out on it. Totally sold. In fact, if you're sitting here today, you're a believer, right? And you haven't seen anything like this, or if you haven't seen anyone around you come to know Christ, that you've had any part in small conversation, maybe you even had the prayer time with them, I don't know. You might want to sit and check and ask yourself the question, how sold out am I on this Christian thing? How much am I really locked into this? I mean, I go to see a movie every once in a while, and I'm so excited about the movie I just saw. I tell five or six people that day, oh, you got to go see this. You gotta. And they can tell me, no, I heard it's dumb, and I can say, you're a moron. I just went and saw it. It's awesome. Because you know? I'm so excited. And I just, do, do you ever do that about in your Christian faith? Share it that way with somebody. It's the hope of the world. If we have the hope of the world, why would we not find some avenue to share it? That's what was happening. If I'm Theophilus and I'm reading this and I don't know anything about Jesus Christ and I'm reading this, I'm like, this is incredibly intriguing. I better look into it. They're going everywhere and sharing this. Here's another verse in Acts later on, uh, excuse me, in Matthew. Um, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Did that today. Teach, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Listen, church, our reason for gathering has nothing to do with social interaction, though I hope we have it. Our, our, our thing of gathering has really nothing to do with kind of tickling the, the, 
feel good that day, and you know, saying, that was a real nice message from Pastor. I really liked it. I even laughed at his jokes. You know, that was really cool. No, it has nothing to do with it. Our gathering here, the purpose of our church, is to keep us focused entirely on the mission of Jesus Christ. And for some of us, that means we, we need to grow up in our Christian walk a little bit so we can stay focused, and we do that here. For some of us, we need to remind it each Sunday that we have a mission and a focus, and we need to go out there and do that, and we talk about that every week. For some of us, we need to visually see that it is actually happening, and people are growing and coming into the Lord. We did that today. That's the focus and the purpose of the church. In fact, I heard it said a, a while back that the pastor's name was, was Jimmy Johnson, not the race car driver. Um, but he was kind of, a, in my view, a crazy old man. One time he let off a shotgun in a sermon I was listening to. Um, but uh, I heard him say one time, God absolutely does not need pew sitters. I was young, I didn't quite know what he was getting at. But I'm 41 now, and I understand. I get it. God wants this mission, this, this group, that would go out and share, just like the book of Acts here. If I'm Theophilus and I'm reading about that, I'm like, I am intrigued. I'd like to know more about this. We're supposed to go out, baptize them, teach them, and then finally, Jesus says, I'll be with you, even to the end of the age. Next thing, uh, four here. We've got to respond with prayer. This is so important that that we stay dialed in and connected. Now, I told you we were looking for cars, right? Well, my dad, in my opinion, he's he's like the car guy. Um, he always kind of knows, is, is this a good deal? You know, do you, you go this route or not? And I kind of, maybe he's not really, but he's my dad. And that's been my view my whole life. So throughout the process, I kept calling up and saying, all right, so we're looking at this, and uh, this is about these the mileage, what do you think? And he goes, mm, I don't know if I'll do that one. That's okay, we won't do it. You know, it's like there's no question once my dad says it, I'm locked into it and I'm out. Um, and that's kind of what Luke is talking about here. We gotta stay plugged in, we gotta stay connected with God on these things. You can go as gangbusters as you want out serving God, but if we don't stay plugged into God on it, well then right back to number one, we're doing it on our own. We're doing our own thing. I grow tired, weary, I lose focus. Um, and before I know it, I'm not doing exactly what God might have wanted me to do, so I stayed connected in prayer. While they all met together, 114, and were constantly united in prayer. It means when they gathered, they focused on praying together, spending time going before the Lord here and searching Him. We often encourage people to start your day off with prayer. Not because it's a magic formula, if you do that, God will be really happy and He'll give you what you want that day. It's not like that. But it's plugging into God right away, early in the morning. And it focuses us on who's our dad? Who's the person we need to call and say, hey, tell, us, tell, tell me about this car, tell me about this knowledge, how's it going here? That's the person we got to stay plugged into, our Father. Acts one twenty four later on in this passage says, they were, then they all prayed, oh Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But you can see their focus Praying and going to God. Finally, there's this: is recruit a united team. Now, this may seem like uh, these five points. That's kind of a, a weird one. Let me talk about the church and believers for a second, especially. Um, 
This last point is so incredibly important to what Luke is talking about here. Here's why. You see, there's 12 disciples, right? 12 apostles that Jesus was closest to. And one of these was a guy named Judas. And if you know anything about the Gospels, you'll know that in the end, Judas betrayed Jesus, and uh, uh, therefore he really no longer became one of the twelve. He ended up killing himself uh, in the end. And so the disciples, as they gathered together, they felt it very important to finish off the team of twelve. Why twelve exactly? We're not totally sure. There's a lot of scholars that connected back to the Old Testament and the tribes and those type of things. But they felt compelled that they needed to add a 12th person to this. And so in this, they chose two. And in those two final, they basically, they decided on this one final person to join them. Here's what Acts 1.21 says about their criteria. So, with, so now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. Why? Because it was very important to them that they bring somebody in who was like them, at least mission-wise, that was on board with the mission. Just recently, we had a local board of administration uh, elections here at the church, as we do every year. And when I'm bringing that team together and we start doing nominations and work through names, it is imperative to me that this is like the cream of the crop here at the church. That it's somebody who's totally locked into the mission. They're locked into everything we're doing and what we're about and the reasons why. And they can help us do it even better. And so that's why we go after uh, a board member that way. And that's why we have elections so that you can verify that that is that type of person. Here in God's kingdom, one of the, the two most disheartening things especially over the last 150 years in the church, is the break-off of denominations. Because so many of them broke off because one person disagreed with another person. And they broke away. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about these deep theological divides where we can't just decide what the Bible might be saying on an issue. No, the church is split for far, far less. Maybe a country church that's mostly one family, and then there's a split. And the family splits and goes, somebody doesn't like what somebody else says, and these launch. This happened so often in the late 1800s when these denominations formed. Well, I'd love to say that was the end of it, but we have found, especially over the last 20, 30 years, churches, churches have still split, and new churches have launched. And do you want to know the, the number one thing over the last 30, 40 years on why churches have done that? Take a quick guess. Music, yeah. Music is an odd like that style, like song selection. You might have been thinking it today when they were singing. Why are they singing that? You know, where's my hymn? You know, or or uh, what are they singing today? Why are they singing the hymn? I don't know. Praise God. You know, uh, the guitar was good. The guitar was terrible. You know, it just it's it. Right. It's just an example. <laughs> we split over these kind of things. It's so important that we're united. That we are united, that we understand it really doesn't matter. All right, we can be up here playing our armpits, and if we're crazy, like, you know, that might be not too far from that. God is honored if our mission is unified. Our mission is unified. That's the focus and purpose. That's, that's what they're saying here. That's why they had to bring somebody, because it's somebody that heard what Jesus had called them to be. And so they have to have a unified team. Here's the takeaway this morning. 
What's the first step in reaching somebody for Jesus Christ? If you're here this morning, what's the first step in reaching somebody, connecting somebody? It has nothing to do with setting up a pulpit downtown and preaching out loud. You don't have to go and take any Greek exegesis class or anything like that. What's the first step, though? Here's one that might be you today. Just simply commit your life to Jesus Christ. It may very well be your first step in making any impact with someone else is you have to become a Christian. You have to accept Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been around the church, but you have never accepted Jesus Christ into your life as your Savior. You've never said, Lord, forgive me of the way I've lived. I've been living for myself. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you. You've never done that before. And your first step is to commit your life to Jesus Christ. You can do that today. You can simply do it today. One little heartfelt saying, Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. In an instant. You are a Christian. You're a child of God. In fact, on your card this morning, there's a box in the back that says, Ready to start a relationship with Christ? You can check that box this morning. I'd love to call and talk with you about that, as I did several of the ones that you saw baptized up here today. Here's the second one. You might need to refocus my Christian living. It meaning this, that you can't make an impact on somebody else's life because you're not really living the Christian life yourself. There's things in your life that God would say, look, I'm not, I'm not pleased with that. I would really like, I'd really like us to work on that or to change up. I'd like you to quit that area. I'd like you to ramp it up in this area. And you and God are having this battle at times, and often you're the one winning because you keep saying no, no. And you can make an incredible impact on somebody else if you were just to say, look, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. In fact, my father-in-law, who I respect incredibly, he's a, a missionary, and he says, look, what's the secret to growing in your Christian walk? Say yes to God more. That's the secret. You don't need to go read a bunch of books. Just say yes to God more. Love that line that he said. Maybe that's you. You've got to refocus your Christian living. The third, maybe today you, you've got to launch out witnessing in your faith. Maybe up to now you have bought into the idea that I'm a Christian, but this is kind of a private thing. I don't, I don't really share that with anyone. And listen, I understand why. I, I have been ministered to even after I'm a Christian, even when I was a pastor. I've been witnessed to by somebody that I would like to slap in the face. You know? um, so that's not what I'm talking about. I understand why we have this feeling of I don't want to share my faith, I don't want to be associated with certain things. So listen, we have to find the opening doors to share with people. Because if we believe we have the hope of the world, we have to look for the opportunity to share it with them. So you might just simply need to say, I'm going to commit to launching out witnessing in my faith. I'm going to look for one person this week that maybe the opportunity would open and I can share with them. Maybe the simplest way for you and your personality is just to say, hey, why don't you come to church with me and we'll go out to lunch afterwards? Simple. Or maybe you just love conversation. Talk to them about where they're at, what's going on. Talk to them about something you learned this weekend. Here's the final thing. Maybe this is you. You just need to start praying for those that you want to reach. It might have never even dawned on you to pray for somebody. To actually put a name in your head and say, look, I don't think that person knows you. God, I would so want to see them come to know you. Do you know how I know this works? Because we just baptized one of them today. A brother praying for another brother. In fact, one of the brothers, our drummer here, actually told me, hey, you know, kind of chill out on your inviting at the side. He didn't say chill out. He said, you know, you're going to have to 
take it a little slow with Tim when he comes um, to this don't want to scare him away kind of thing. Um, I just know Andrew was praying. Andrew was working on his brother, and his brother was baptized today. This works. Start praying for those that you want to reach. One of those steps is for you this morning. And so I pray you would lock into it. If you need any help, if you want any prayer from us, if you want a conversation about it, use your card this morning. Just write that and let us know. We'd love to, to spend time with you this week. Just call and say, hey, how can we help? How can we be a blessing? Or just how can I pray for you this week? Use that card and that would be, that would be great. Here's what I want to encourage you to do before next week. We're going to go through Acts chapter 2 next week. If you own a Bible, have one in your house, just open it up. It's the only book that says Acts in it. So just keep flipping to your there. It's okay. I was at a conference about three years ago, and uh, it was all pastors. And I was in the front row, and the, the preacher said, let's open up to Zephaniah, right? And I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. And I know he's like, you know, 15 feet away from me, and I felt like a total deuce. It's okay. It's okay. If I can feel that way, you don't have to. So uh, just find it um, in there. Just keep flipping. You'll get there eventually. I did that night. It was all okay. Um, book of Acts. Look at chapter 2, the big 2, and just read that. Read that section. If you want to recap this week so you, you kind of blend it together, read chapter 1, then on chapter 2, because we're going to walk right through that next week. And we're going to see how did it all begin? How did it actually start after the Holy Spirit came on their life. That'll be that'll be next Sunday, next week. Well, let me pray for you, and then I'm going to invite our, our praise team to come up and we're going to go out uh, singing again. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, those who you give us change lives with today. Lord, I believe there's somebody sitting right here, Lord, that that as we sit there at the end, maybe step they need to make is to commit their life to you. I just believe there's somebody here that you were talking to and they know it. And it's time for them to say yes. Receive you into their life. But we have no desire to ever do a bully tactic on this. We just want it to be between you and that person, you speaking and them obeying your voice. If that's you this morning, just follow God on it. Here's a simple prayer you can pray if your heart's being led that direction. Just say, Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you. If you pray that right there in an instant, you're his child. So just mark that on the card. We'd love to connect with you and how you can grow. Maybe it's refocusing your life. Lord, I just believe that there's got to be many Christians sitting here today that what they really need to commit to, what they really need to call to if they're going to be a witness, is they've got to refocus their Christian living. There's things in their life where they do say, this just doesn't add up. And so you want to, through your own power, the Holy Spirit you provide, you want to make an impact and a change in their life. If that's you this morning, simply just say yes to God on it. I know it won't be easy. It's a whole lot easier to say yes than it is I know to carry it out. But we want to be here for you. Our Christian family wants to support you. Check that on your car. Write that out. I'd love to be praying for you as your pastor right away. Maybe for you it's just time that uh, you just need to say, I'm going to, I'm going to share my faith. I need to get out and do it. I know a neighbor and I've been wanting to, or a friend and I've been wanting to, or a family member and I've been wanting to. I just keep saying no, but I need to say yes. 
I long for the day that I would invite them and they'd sit right here in church with me. Start that journey today. And finally, if you have somebody you just need prayer for, I'm going to join you in that prayer. You can put it on your card. Just, just look at it first name. And I'll be praying with you, right alongside you. And Lord, when you hear the, that name being lifted up, Lord, would you receive it and would you just respond with power and authority to share you with them? Now, Lord, give us, give us a great day. Lord, bless us on the Sabbath. And may our focus on you extend far throughout the day. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Um, our ushers are going to come and take our morning offering. And uh, fill those out. Just drop them in the offering buckets. And if you're brand new with us, we'd like you to take those right back to our our table this morning, I think David's back there this morning, and we'd be happy to give you a free gift, answer any questions if you might have more, you can simply just drop off the card, you'll be fine as well. So I do want to invite you to stand with me, so we'll go out and sing one more.